Greetings to one and all. Welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker, and I'm your host for these Bible study podcasts. Today, we're continuing with our review of the key principles of effective Bible study based on a booklet of the same name available on our podcast page at biblestudy.asbzone.com. This podcast is inspired by the following Bible verse. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word truth. If you've been following this series for a while, you know what our purpose is here. But if this is your first time, although we recommend that you start at the beginning, the goal of this series is to help you obtain greater value from your Bible study and devotional sessions. These episodes are about 15 to 20 minutes each, and they are focused on key principles that God teaches us through His Word. Most people know that Bible study is essential to the Christian experience, and many people realize that without prayer, Bible study is futile and unproductive. But there are other, less known principles that the Scriptures also teach us, and our goal in this series is to present them to you. These will help you to see God's Word in a more expansive way and will assist you in becoming just like the noble Bereans of Acts 17, 10 through 12. Today's study is entitled, There's an Appropriate Way to Respond to Challenges. But before we begin our study together, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace we thank you for wisdom and understanding. We thank you for your promises. We invite your presence to be with us. We want to be able to discern. We want to be able to rightly divide your words of truth. We want to be able to communicate clearly and effectively. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. At some point in the life of every Bible student, there comes a time of challenge or conflict. Sometimes the challenge is internal, and sometimes it is external. An internal challenge is defined as one that comes about as you study a section of the Bible or a topic in the Bible, and the Holy Spirit reveals to you an understanding that is different from what you might have had previously. An external challenge is defined as one that comes about through a discussion with other believers or non-believers pertaining to Bible truths and doctrines. Whatever the source it has to be dealt with properly. Outright rejection of a new idea or different perspective is not necessarily a good thing, as it pretty much closes down the avenues that God can use to improve our understanding. Blind acceptance is also not the way to handle these situations, because that opens up the door to false doctrines. So let's look at a better, more systematic way to review these challenges. If you are presented with some verses that appear to contradict your current understanding of a Bible doctrine, and you do not agree with the new view, then it is vital that you are able to explain how the new text should be rightly understood. Simply rejecting or ignoring the troublesome verses without providing an alternative perspective will not lead to enlightenment, either for you nor for the person that you may be discussing with. Your current understanding can be right, or it can be incomplete, or it can be incorrect. There are several ways to determine where you stand, and here are three valid approaches that I'd like you to consider so that you can resolve your challenge appropriately. So, option one, 
if you believe that you're right, instead of merely dismissing the new verses, show how they should be rightly understood. These can be used for either an internal or external challenge, but we're going to focus on the external challenge. Show how they should rightly be understood. So if somebody comes to you and says, hey, I believe that hell burns forever. And you say, no, that's not what the Bible teaches. And then they give you a couple of verses that give the impression that hell burns forever. You don't just say, well, that's wrong. Look at these other five verses. You say, okay, here's how you're going to need to understand these verses. And let me support what I've just said with some additional verses, right? But you start where they are, unless it's utterly impossible to start where they are. But you really should start where the verses that have been presented to you are. Because at the end of the day, you can't just say to the other party, well, you're wrong. Here's the answer. You need to say, here's how you need to understand these verses and look at these other verses that help point you in the right direction. Okay. Option two, you accept that you're wrong or that your knowledge was incomplete, right? Because it might be. You accept that the new verses change the way you should understand the older verses that you're more familiar with and you grow in your understanding. And number three, you're not yet sure of the right answer. That's going to happen more times than not, right? If somebody just comes, walks up to you and says, here's something you need to understand. And you say, but that's not what I already understood. It is, it is not that likely that you're going to, at the end of two or three minutes say, oh, you're right. Okay. Um, you should go and study, right? You should not be so adamant that you get stuck in a position that you have nor should every person that comes by and says something cause you to say, you must be right. You need to go and study it. But if you're not sure, then what you need to do is that conclude that you don't have enough information to accept or reject, and then commit yourself to prayerful study to establish the correct answer. Don't just say, well, I'm not sure, and then leave the matter hanging, right? That's not appropriate because this may be an opportunity for you to gain more light. It could be an opportunity for you to strengthen your position. But either way, neither of those two things will happen if you simply say, eh, I, I don't know. It doesn't, I don't have enough info. And then you just walk away or leave the matter where it is. This is how we grow spiritually. Anyone who has been studying the Bible for some time knows that God will use both internal and external challenges to increase, correct, and solidify our understanding of his word. To reject these challenges indiscriminately is spiritual suicide. May God bless you as you prayerfully seek to apply these principles in your own Bible study. So, now let's look at the verses from the King James Version. Proverbs 1.5 says, A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain unto wise counsels. Okay, so... This shows that wise people are not just born at the height of their wisdom, but that they grow because they will hear. And if it is something to be uh, attained, acquired, accepted, when they study it, they will increase learning. Acts 17, 11. These are, these are our friends, the Bereans. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and search the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Okay, so it's important. You hear Paul came and preached, and they listened, took notes, 
went home and looked at the scriptures, and then they made sure that, that what he was saying, which may have been very new to them, then they made sure that it was in harmony with the scriptures. And of course, you need to know the principles, right? If you don't know the principles of effective Bible study, then anybody who comes around in a fairly convincing voice and charismatic approach may sway you for reasons that have nothing to do with principle and have everything to do with eloquence. Second Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, there's this idea that discussions and disputing is wrong. We've studied earlier that language changes. The word dispute, the way we use dispute now and the way that dispute was used several hundred years ago is very different. The way we use debate now is even different and argue, right? Those are, those are terms that we use more with a negative connotation than were used in the past, right? To argue a position, argue is what lawyers do, right? They present an argument. They present a position and support it and try to counter the other person's position. Now, there's a lot of that that goes on in the Bible. We obviously want the spirit of it as it went on in Bible times. But here are some examples. In Luke 24, 15, this is on the road to Emmaus. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, that's Cleophas and his, his partner there, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Okay, commune together and reason. So the Bible describes reasoned together, persuaded, disputed. Those are synonymous terms. Okay, we may not see them exactly the same way today, but when you see them in the Bible, you understand that people are being, are politely taking positions and trying to maintain them and support them. I'll give you some more examples. In Acts 17, 2, the bulk of these are in Acts. In fact, every last one of these except for the one at first one I read are in Acts, and it was in Luke. So all of these were written by Luke. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures. Right, So that's that reasoned word. In Acts 18.4, And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. Okay, Acts 18.19, And he came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. Acts 24, 25, And he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Acts 9, 29, And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. This is Paul in his early part of the ministry. Acts 17, 17. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met him. Acts 19, 8. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. Okay, so he's not being riotous. He's not brawling. It's not that kind of thing. Uh, but it's it's a reasoned discussion, proving points back and forth. Acts twenty eight twenty three, and when they had appointed him a day, this is when Paul is in Rome, in his own hired house as a house under house arrest. 
he calls for the Jews and they establish a day where he's going to come and listen to what happened on that day. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, from morning till evening. Okay, so in the Bible, in Bible times, it was not inappropriate to have these discussions and reasoning. And, you know, we've lost a lot of civility over the years, so it's harder to do this sort of thing now, especially on the internet where everything becomes this ridiculous conflict. You you can tell things are bad because when people have a good argument where everyone remains civil, they have to comment favorably to their adversary because the tone and everything else was kept civil. That's a sad commentary that we, we live in such a time that civil behavior is noteworthy. Nonetheless, the reason for bringing this up is having a reasoned discussion, being able to give an answer for the hope that is within us, give every man a reason for the hope when we are asked, we ought to be able to do that. If someone says, I don't agree with this particular doctrine because of such and such a verse, we ought to be able to address that without you know, gloves coming off and it, it becoming some sort of unchristlike spectacle. So that's that's one aspect. So those things will come and you ought to be able to say something about them. But when you do, you ought to do it in a principled way, right? Every opportunity, every confrontation is an opportunity for you to learn. You're either going to learn something you didn't know, which is true. You're going to learn something you didn't know, which is false. Or you're going to learn something that's more complete, a different perspective than what you knew before. And learning false things as a rule, we don't want to learn false things, right? We have limited brain capacity. We really should be contributing to new and and correct things. But it is helpful to meet with a challenge that forces us to study deeper so that we are more grounded in the thing that we believe and so that we are more prepared or better prepared to counter false arguments or classes of false arguments, right? So that's important for us to understand. When someone is presenting to you a view that is not in harmony with the Word of God, according to your understanding, the person can be earnest and honest. The person can be, you know, like many of the people that confronted Jesus looking to trip him. Pray, as, as with everything else in the study, prayer is the first thing that you need to do. Pray. The Lord may tell you you don't need to answer that, or he may give you a way to answer that that suits his purpose at that time. But the key thing is there's an appropriate way to respond to people. You have to be willing to look at what is being said and you have to be willing to and you have to be able to answer it if they're using verses that are not appropriate you have to be able to explain that right as an example if someone comes to you and says hey we can eat whatever we want look at acts chapter 10 you ought to be able to start in acts chapter 10 and say that passage is not referring to food at all it seems to be referring to food but let's start at the top and you go from the top of Acts 10 all the way to the bottom of Acts 10 and you show that Peter is learning by way of the Holy Spirit that the middle wall of partition between Jews and Gentiles is done away with, right? 
that this is not about food that's clean or unclean. This is about people being clean or unclean from a racial or spiritual context. And so, more so racial, right? Spiritually, we can still be unclean if we do things that are inappropriate. But God was saying, there's no race of people or group of people that's automatically unclean, right? Everyone, the gospel is available to every person. And you can show that. You start in that verse, and then you can go to other verses to substantiate what you've said. Um, but you can start there and be able to address what it is. You can't just say, oh, no, no, and you leap over to another verse. You just ignore whatever the challenge is. You'll find that those kinds of discussions are futile, and many people engage in them. And when you're on the other side of it, you may have to tell someone, well, okay, we'll go over to that verse, but first, if you think I'm wrong about this verse, tell me how I should understand it. Right? Start with that. Tell me how I should understand this verse in light of the fact that you don't think it, it means what I said, and then we can move to another place. But don't just, nope, you're wrong on A, therefore, let's look over here without explaining further. Okay. This is how we grow spiritually. Anyone who's been studying the Bible for some time knows that God will use both internal and external challenges to increase, correct, and solidify our understanding of his word. To reject these challenges indiscriminately is spiritual suicide. Thanks for taking the time to study with us today. We encourage you to prayerfully review the booklet in conjunction with this recording. And we really encourage you to go through these principles in sequence because they build on each other, just as the Word of God does. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the privilege of studying your Word. We thank you for these principles that you've sprinkled throughout your Word, and we thank you for the benefit that they provide us in rightly dividing your words of truth when we understand them. As always, we are grateful that you give us of your spirit, that we might discern spiritual things properly, and we ask you to help us as we engage in other studies, that you will go before us and teach us, and we'll grow in a knowledge, a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening in, and if you have any questions, be sure to send them to Bible Questions at asbzone.com, and we will do our best, by God's grace, to provide you with biblical answers to those questions. If you're finding these studies to be a blessing, please let us know all about it, and also share these studies with others. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you study His Word.